This is God's word. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his supervisor, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Kathy. Good morning, friends. It's good to be with you. I think the last time I was saying to Kathy, we, I preached for you, we were in, or you were in the um, Pioneer Church, is it, at four in the afternoon? If some of you remember that? If 4 p.m. time slot. I don't know if that worked for you. It, was, uh, it meant that I had to do double duty that day because I preached in the morning at our church and then drove here. So at least this way, just do it once. So... <laughs> Uh, you asked, Dan said I might have stories about Mark. The only thing that came to mind as I was sitting here was that we shared a cubicle. You don't really share it, but they have these study corrals, you know, in the library and seminary. And his was right, his was right over behind mine. And so I think occasionally we would throw spitwads over the top or things like that. But there's a way to keep him from getting his work done, I guess. Um, yeah, thanks again for the invitation to be here. And uh, before we... Uh, begin, let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks that uh, you are a good God who um, calls us not by our works, but by your grace. And uh, we pray that as we move in our service from uh, singing and confession and speaking to hearing and listening, that you will open our ears and our eyes, and you will soften our hearts, and you will put our minds in a place to receive the good news, and to let us uh, change and shape who we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I was standing in line at the grocery store not too long ago, and there was about three or four people standing in front of me, and there was another one or two standing behind me, and there was only one register open, 
And right about that time, the clerk got on her intercom and she called out, Dan to, Dave to check out, please, Dave to check out. And I was so grateful. I was like, phew, why does it take so long before they finally call in the reinforcements? And then as I stood there, I thought about it, and I, because you know this happened, I'm sure this has happened to you more than once. What's, what's Dave going to do? Will Dave offer, will Dave, well, you know he's going to flip on his light and he's going to open a register, but then what? Will he offer that, you know, generic, hey, I can help anybody over here kind of invitation, right? And uh, no, Dave was very attentive. And so Dave, he walked over to the, to the second person in line who was standing a, few, a little bit in front of me and he said, ma'am, I can help you over here in, you know, in line seven or whatever it was. I thought, oh, I, like, I like Dave. He's a, this is a, he's a good guy. This is how it's supposed to go because so often it works the other way, right? Where it's the, the generic invitation and there's this whole line of people standing there and what happens? We all freeze for a moment because... You're not sure what the person in front of you is going to do. And at that point, your carts are probably packed pretty close together. And so you, you, know, you want to make that quick but not so obnoxious move, right? So you can scoot up in front, but you're not quite sure how you're going to do that without looking really obvious. And while you're all standing there freezing, the person in the back of the line just kind of you know, walks up to the front and gets served first. And you're all like, ah, that is not fair. I was... Um, it's so not fair, I think. I was on a flight. I was on a flight about two weeks ago. It turns out I ran into Nick and Katie on the way back. But on the way, we met in the airport in Denver. Yeah, in Denver. And uh, the flights, those flights were great. The ones that I was, I was going to the Midwest to visit family. And it was taking a red eye. I was by myself. My family was already there, my wife and kids. And so taking a red eye, I just had one little backpack. And my plan was to stuff it up top so that I could stretch out, you know, put my feet out. And as we're getting ready to board, the flight attendants get over the intercom and they start giving you the carry-on instructions, you know, you can have this much and they got to fit in this size. And then she says, um, and if you have these large ones and it looks like it's going to be too big, bring it up here so we can check it all the way through. And if you're in boarding groups four and five, you might want to just bring them now because there's a pretty good chance there won't be any space for your bags by the time you get there. And I looked at my boarding pass, and I had boarding group five, and all I had was this little backpack, and I started to get a little nervous and a little worried because I thought, I paid $25 to check my bag underneath. And all these other people, maybe some of you do this, I know, but you, you, know, you come up with the, the one that's full, that's you know, large, almost not a carry-on carry-on, you know, and they're going to stuff them up there. And I thought, I better get a spot up there for my bag, because if not, that is so not fair. So not fair. I was walking in, one more, I was walking in here this morning, and um, I'm from Lincoln, so it's a suburb. And, but somebody, somebody asked me for some change for the bus. And um, so, you know, just being from the suburbs, that kind of stood out to me. And I thought, and then I started getting nervous. And I thought, you know, did I lock my car? I got my phone here. But I thought, you know, when, you, when something is um, taken from you, you feel that's not fair. But on the flip side of that, too, um, if you don't have enough money to buy a bus ticket or you don't have enough money to buy food, that's not fair either. Um, which is just all a way of saying there's so much about life that's not fair, isn't there? And uh, maybe you've actually heard a parent or a teacher or a mentor tell you that, hey, you know, life's not fair, but get used to it, you know, or maybe I remember when I was a kid, I had, you know, I was certain my dad had given my brother a bigger bowl of ice cream that he had given me, right, and 
what do parents say when you're so exasperated by that? You just say, well, you know what? Life's not fair. Deal with it, right? So, so certain are we, or so much experience that do we have with this idea that life sometimes feels not fair, um, then when it comes to thinking about God, and if we have a hope about God, and a hope about how things are supposed to be, or how they're going to be, we think certainly, at least, when it comes to God, it's going to be fair. Which makes this parable, I think, a fairly terrible parable, <laughs> right? Because it's, it offends our sense of right and wrong. I mean, it's, 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 it's just beyond fairness. And we think it can't possibly be that God's not fair either. Turns out that there is a, uh, a rabbinical parable that if you had been listening to Jesus when he told this, you probably were familiar with. And that parable was much more, well, I don't know if it would say satisfying, but it at least made sense. And the parable went like this. It was the same in almost every respect. You know, there was a, a landowner that went out into the vineyard throughout the day and brought workers in, promised to pay the ones, promised to pay him a denarius, the ones he hired first. But at, at the end of the day, so he's hiring all these people. At the end of the day, it's time to pay them. And he pays the ones who were hired last a denarius and, and everyone that day. And when the people complain and you know, say, hey, that's not fair, the landowner says, well, but this worker who I hired last, he was uh, more than industrious. He was overly qualified. He was super skillful. In every way, he exceeded the output that you put out. And so I am justified, therefore, in paying this worker what I've paid him. That's the parable that they knew. That was the parable that the rabbis told. That's not, a, that's not the parable that Jesus told. Right? I mean, he tells it in such a way as to set us up so that we find this offensive and we find this really hard to swallow. Uh, let, me, let me tell this is how I think we hear it. And this is borrowing a few images from another pastor uh, that I know. Uh, if you, this is how you would hear this. Is, so the landowner goes out into the city square at early in the morning, 6 a.m., and there he finds the most industrious, the, most, the eager beavers, the early bird gets the worm kind of folks. And he says to them, Come, come work in my vineyard. And these folks are ready to work. I mean, they are the kind of people who want to do everything they can to make sure their life is set up exactly the way it's supposed to be. They're responsible, they're diligent, they're hardworking. And they're going to work throughout the heat of the day from sunup to sundown, 12 hours straight. But for whatever reason, the landowner decides that things aren't going fast enough. Who knows? Maybe the, there's a storm coming or uh, perhaps there's, um, the grapes are just extra ripe. We don't, we don't really know, but he goes out throughout the day, you know, at 9 a.m. and at noon and at 3 p.m. and at 5 p.m., just one scant hour before quitting time. But it's when, but it's these last hour workers, the ones hired last that Jesus spends the most time on. And you can almost, you can kind of get a picture for who these folks might have been. Right? These weren't the, the early bird gets the worm kind of people. These are the folks who slept in. And uh, they showed up about noon. And, you know, they were sitting, you know, maybe probably not in the center of the city square. They were off to the side and they were drinking uh, cheap beer and they're smoking cigarettes. And they were just kind of laying around doing nothing. And they probably watched the landowner come in all day long. And never once did they jump up and volunteer to work. And right about the time that they were going to go home, 
you know, crash on their couch. They're going to eat frozen pizzas, maybe, you know, that they, that they bought with their welfare checks, you know, and just call it a day for all their hard work. This is the landowner one more time, and he asks them, so why haven't you guys gotten any work? And you can kind of hear it, right? And you can imagine their response, you know. They're just kind of sitting there. I don't know, you know. I guess nobody wanted to hire us. But if you want us to do a little bit of work, you know, we can do a little bit of work because a little work's never going to hurt anybody. So sure, we'll work and so off they go. Jesus is really setting us up, isn't he? We're, we're looking at these people with squinty eyes. We're thinking, what a bunch of lazy bums. What a bunch of lazy bums. And so they go off to work and then Jesus, he's setting us up because those of us who know what's coming, right? The landowner starts to pay them. And he doesn't pay, if he had paid the workers who started first, first, the parable would have lost its punch. It wouldn't have any, but no, Jesus, he starts by paying the ones who were hired last. But again, this isn't the part that makes it a terrible parable, is it? This is the part where the workers who were hired first are probably sitting there thinking, maybe we misunderstood how this works. He told us he was going to pay us a denarius, which is, which is considered a pretty fair day's wage in that time, a denarius in terms of the amount. But maybe we misunderstood them. Maybe this is actually the kind of uh, vineyard where you get paid a denarius per hour. And you can imagine their minds are starting to get pretty excited and they're thinking about, well, you know, I'm going to stop on the way home. I'm going to get an extra bottle of wine or get a treat for the kids or I'm going to start socking away money to take the family to Disneyland. I mean, you can just, you can just hear their things are spinning and they're getting all excited until they get paid too. And now suddenly what they thought was a fair day's wage looks pretty small, doesn't it? And the one guy turns to his buddy and whispers, can you believe this? And the landowner overhears this and says to him, what's the matter, friend? Didn't we agree that you would work for a denarius? And what I paid the others, what is that to you? Or are you envious because I'm generous? The Greek word for, it, for, for envious is, do you have an evil eye? It comes from the, it's taking off some of the Proverbs in the Old Testament. This idea of having an evil eye that, that you know, it's, it's, there's envy and there's bitterness and there's hatred and there's anger. There's this sense of extreme disdain and disappointment and discouragement that, they would get the same amount as we are. Are you envious because I am generous? As a matter of fact, they are. They are because like us, they have an innate sense of right and wrong. They know what's fair and what's not fair. They know that equal pay for equal work is fair. And equal pay for unequal work, that's not fair. We might say, you know, treating everybody the same, that's fair. Or treating everybody the same when they're not the same, that's not fair. We get that. They get that. We have an innate sense that this is not right and this is not the way it's supposed to go. So my question, and I suspect yours might be too, is, well, what, what gives? How, is this, how does this work? Why, why would anybody 
be attracted to or want to be part of something, a religion, a faith, a way of life, a way of thinking that turns everything we know about how life is supposed to go upside down. That is, as we would perceive it to be, completely unfair. Why would this be appealing to anybody? Barbara Brown Taylor, uh, pastor, preacher, has a sermon on this passage, and she asks this question, which I find super helpful. Where are, going back to the line, right, standing in the, where are you standing in line? Or if you want to think about it in terms of um, the story, who do you most identify with in the story? Are you more like the 6 a.m. worker who got up early and worked hard all day? Or are you more like the 5 p.m. worker who showed up late? Are you more like the person who's been standing in line all day long to get your groceries rung up? Or are you more like uh, the person who showed up and I mean, what more happens to you at the end of the line and you get to scoot up to the front? Or which, you know, when the service person calls and they give you the window from uh, 8 a.m. to noon, right? And what, what slot do you get? Are you the one who's, they show up at 8.05, you know, and you're on, or are you more likely the one they show up at 12.15 with no apology for where they've been all morning, right? Who gets those 8 a.m. slots, right? It never happened to you, probably. Never happens to me. And I had the, the, just a month ago, the city inspector was supposed to come out and 8 and noon, and he showed up at 12.45. And I think, what? This is... So wh- where are you? Where do you see yourself in line? Who do you most identify with when you think about this? My hunch is that many of us, most of us, maybe most, Maybe not all, but probably most of us identify with the 6 a.m. worker. Why is that? How come? Maybe it's because we know what it's like to be cheated out of something that we think that we deserve. But what, what if? What if we're mistaken about where we stand in line? What if you know, we think we're at the front of the line ready to pay, but what if we're, you know, the line goes down the aisle and we're back by the meat counter? We're not even sure our groceries are going to get rung up in time before closing. We didn't even know there was a line. We didn't know there was time to get in line. When I was in high school, the, um, one of the, my favorite times of year was basketball season. And not just basketball season, but especially tournament time, because in tournament time, we thought, well, maybe there's a chance this year will be the year we go all the way. And so anytime there was a tournament game, all the students would line up two days prior to get their tickets uh, to the game. Now, as a student, getting into the game wasn't the issue, but where you sat once you got inside at the ball game, that was really important. And so we would line up at 4 p.m. For, for a 7 p.m. game. And we would be the first ones in line. And that was really important to us. And as the afternoon wore on, it's 4.30. And it's 5 o'clock. And then it's 5.30. It's 6 o'clock. It's 6.30. And they're about ready to open the doors and let everybody in. You can get your great seat. And we'd turn around. You know, you'd look and you'd see all these folks who showed up later. You know, the 4.30 folks and the 5 o'clock folks and the 5.30 and the 6 o'clock folks. And you think... Ho, 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 look at that. Some of those people, they're not even going to be in the student section. You know, they're so far back. They're going to be sitting 
among the parents, right? You know, and some of them are so far back, they're not even going to be sitting among the parents. They're going to be behind the parents. I mean, that's like this, that was like where nobody wanted to be. I mean, this is like the nerd section. This is completely, this is the worst possible thing. Can you even imagine being that far back in line? But now, what if at this game, I mean, it sounds crazy, but what if the person, the doorkeeper, the person taking tickets, the person who's letting folks in decided this time, rather than letting folks in the way you would expect them to do, they walk to the back of the line and say, you know what, today for this game, we're going to start here. Now suddenly all the people in the back of the line are hooting and hollering and jumping up and high-fiving each other and backslapping because this is their lucky day. This is their lucky, lucky day. It reminds me of a time when my wife and I were out going for a walk and this is a long time ago, 10, 15 years ago, and we happened upon uh, $15 or $20 in cash that was just lying on the side of the road. We didn't know where it came from. We looked around, you know, we, and we picked it up, and we got all excited, and we're like, yeah, this is our lucky day, right? But to do the flip of that, the reverse, what happened? Somebody, I don't know why, they blew out the car window, right? Or there's a teenager on the way home from her first babysitting job, and it fell out of her pocket on the way home. A kid got beat up on the way home from school and lost his money. Right? And I'm in this example of life's not fair. But we're saying, hey, this is our lucky day. Say, where are you in line? Who do you most identify with in the story? If you want to say God's not fair, maybe he God isn't fair. It's almost like the it's like the sibling who the, the kid whose older sibling gets a later bedtime than you know they do and as far as they can tell, it's not fair. And maybe in some ways, God, God's ways are a little bit mysterious to us like that. Maybe God isn't fair. But depending on where you stand in line, that can actually be really, really good news. Powerfully good news. Because if God's not fair, then maybe we get, some, we get more than we deserve. We get better than we thought we did. If God's not fair, then uh, we're going to get the best seats in the house, not because of who we are or because of what we've done or because of what we've said, but because of who God is and because of what He said and because of what He's done. God's not fair, but God is generous. And because God is generous, that means that we will get more than we deserve. When we begrudge that generosity or when we're envious of that generosity or when it makes us angry, maybe that's an invitation for us to reimagine or to re-examine or to rethink about where is it that we stand in line? Because we want it to be the kind of thing that when God goes to the back of the line and says, today we're starting here. That's an invitation for us to high-five our neighbor and to start hooting and hollering and cheering and backslapping everybody and jumping up and down because, friends, that really is the gospel. That's good news. That's God's grace. Let's pray. Father, we confess that... Uh, at least at some point in our life, we've been the kind of person who said, that's not fair. 
That's not the way it's supposed to be. Maybe it really wasn't fair. Maybe even we were hurt by a situation that was incredibly unfair and uh, wounded by it and still trying to figure out how to make sense of it all. Um, we pray that uh, not by working harder or gritting our teeth or trying more, but really by your grace and by your spirit, you can help us um, be the kind of people who hear the good news uh, that no matter where we are or where we stand in line, uh, that you invite us to be uh, part of the party and you let us in. And uh, that you help us see that we have gotten more than we deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.